This is Flipping Tables. This is Flipping Tables, a show about culture, gaming, technology. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm Mike Edwards. I think we have... We actually have a, a more robust rundown than I expected, but I have to start, as I have done a few times in the past, with a personal anecdote. Okay. So I was out at a happy hour upon a recent eve with a few of my fellows and a very drunk, very proud-to-be-Scottish man came up to us. I should say we are not anywhere near Scotland here in Denver. Um he uh, he came up to us because the bar had an N64 hooked up, and it was paramount to him that he race us in Mario Kart, <laughs> which I was fine with because we'd been playing Mario Kart for quite a while. So I was like, yeah, sure, let's just grab a few other people. We can do a four-player race. Well, he sat down in that weird kind of shoulder-rubby way that if we were on like a packed train in india i would say like well of course we have to be this close together it's the only train car but it wasn't it was a giant booth where there was many feet of unused space so this guy's all buttoned up against me we're racing i destroyed him by the way because he he was just so okay, what track uh rainbow road he picked it he was like we have to do rainbow road we it's got to be rainbow road i was like uh you're pretty Isn't that drunk. One kind of boring on N64. It is because it has rails for like ninety percent of it. It's got little star-shaped guardrails. No, it's not like on the Super Nintendo and all the subsequent versions where you just go flying off into oblivion all yeah, the time. The Mario Kart Eight version is brutal. It's really because they give you boosts every other second. You yep. don't want boosts. Nope. You're like, stop it. Yeah, it's it's like a little bit of a mind screw where you have to think like, oh look, a boost. No, avoid it. And then before you know it, you're just like. Pfft off into space so what was interesting to me as a patron of the bar was apparently my bar tab was not respectable enough to him because (laughs) i was on my way out and when our uh, server came up to hand me my ticket he saw the amount and he was like oh just add that to mine just add that to mine (laughs) i was like are are you sure and the server kind of looked at me like he's really drunk is he sure (laughs) And I was like, are you sure? And he was like, yeah, just add it to mine. Just add it to mine. I was like, all right. (laughs) And then I just unpaused the game and finished destroying him. I'm not going to fight you on paying for my drinks. Yes. Thank you, kind, drunk stranger. So I'm I'm fairly sure he was actually traveling for business. I'm fairly sure whatever company he works for actually paid for my drinks. But uh, you know what? Thank you, anonymous company. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. He was very loud about who he worked for. I'm just not going to name them. Okay. (laughs) So thank you, company I know he works for (laughs) or claimed he worked for. Maybe he works for their competitor and he was trying to discredit them by stumbling across America. I guess. And the other – Buying people drinks isn't a great way to discredit a company. No. I I now look favorably upon (laughs) these people. Um, and then the other thing that came of this weird – I didn't – I had no idea. This, we, you and I have been in this bar before. I've never seen them hook the N64 up to what the bar? It used to be Stoney's, oh, whatever okay, nonsense okay. they call it now. But I got to play GoldenEye. You had never touched that game before? I had never played GoldenEye. Did you play single player or multiplayer? 
Uh, we did a four-player death match, okay. I guess, where it was like first to ten, ten kills. Um, so it took me a minute <laughs> to work it out, but I'm I'm starting to move forward. And I mean, you know, these are original N64 controllers. The stick is loose. The whole wave yeah. bird wasn't good when it was new. The wave bird was always fine. I didn't care for wave it. Wave bird is a GameCube controller. What do you call the the stupid W on the N64? I thought that was the wave bird. No, no. Okay, well, that one. The N64 <laughs> W. It's just the N64 controller. Okay, so that, whatever you call that, that it's weird to hold it in the center and, like, ignore a full third of the controller. But I'm starting to move, and I always play with inverted controls for one, which already I'm, like, at a massive disadvantage. You to give up on that. <laughs> Everybody hates it. Whenever anybody picks up one of my PlayStation controllers, they're like, oh, God, your controller. I actually transitioned... <laughs> Oh, do you, do you not work my your sex, way out of it? but my my <laughs> inversion. Um, yeah, I used to be inverted always, and now even on computer with a mouse, I'm just I just decided no, just get used to normal. You're not flying an airplane; you uh, don't need inverted. <laughs> I, should I add this to my list of like weird habits to break? It's possible to break it, so I'll I'll have to I'll have to find a just game. One I can last play option alone. to switch every single game you every play game. In the rest it of your life. It is really annoying. And then you know, like I'm playing Borderlands with Susan. If she ends up grabbing the first player controller and then loading her character, it still loads first player controller defaults, which is weird. Yeah. But then you know she goes to fire an enemy and she's like waving around all crazy. <laughs> I'm waving around all crazy because her controls aren't inverted. But yeah, it's with the the N64 controller, it's the crazy like C pad yeah, the yellow buttons. Yeah. Which weren't inverted and it's different than using an analog stick. In Goldeneye, you don't really need to look up and down that much. No, but you strafe. <laughs> and I don't invert X-axis. I'm not that weird. No. I don't know anybody who <laughs> does that. <laughs> Those people are crazy. It's always an option. How about third person camera control? I'm always uh-huh. amb- ambivalent about that. Are you turning the the eye, or are you turning the Ooh, character? I now I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to go replay uh, Snake Eater and see which way. Yeah, I prefer does the to world the move, or do you move? I my I don't like. I need to actually fire the game up and see what I do. But my inclination is to say the world. Yeah, the world moves around me, which sounds weird <laughs> to assert it like that. <laughs> Yeah, so I actually I did okay um, in Goldeneye. It took me a minute to figure out that um, picking up guns is not automatic, but picking up ammunition is. You have to like guns are automatically picked up. Nope, you got to press A. That doesn't make sense to me. No. Nope. I yeah I agree. Especially when you have no gun, you still have to say like I would like to go from nothing to something, please. I don't believe you. No way. I I was. Partially I you, I think you have to press buttons to switch weapons, but not that to pick true. them up. We're you g- can just run over them. You still have to press A to switch to the one you picked up. Maybe I mean, that's it. picks it, it up so, automatically. So you pick it up, but you're empty-handed. Yeah. And you have to switch to it. Because all you can do when you're empty-handed is the, the campy 60s, like, judo chop! <laughs> yeah. Which... Is a little because you know in modern FPS games the the knife is like so overpowered. Yeah, the judo chop is not a magic one hit kill. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing. At <laughs> least in Perfect Dark, they let you switch to a punch that would disarm people, which would and it would also blur their vision for like a half minute. He had Perfect Dark. 
Oh, he added like a whole collection. They of games. added a lot of nice features to Perfect Dark's multiplayer, but that was always really fun. If like you just kind of wanted to start messing with people, you just start punching them, <laughs> and it would just get so drunk and blurry, <laughs> and like you wouldn't really kill them. It would just be irritating. Like, right, dude, stop stealing my gun, making me blurry. <laughs> I did spend a lot of time with the grenade launcher in Goldeneye <laughs> yeah. because you don't have to have real great aim. Um, although – And you get that Bond theme every time you kill someone. You know, so we couldn't hear it. You know, I mean it's uh, it's a bar. It's loud. By the time we were playing Goldeneye, there were a lot more people. So they turned the, the sound down and uh, – one of the guys uh, on our in our group that was there with us, who I don't know very well, but he he seems like a nice guy. But he has obviously played his fair share of Goldeneye because every time there was a grenade launcher death, he went <laughs> to the point where eventually me and the other guy had never played before. We're like, "Why are you doing that?" And he was like, "He was like, you just can't hear it, but the game is doing it. Yeah. Like you can stop." Especially because we were all way out of practice or had never played. So there was a lot of opting for the grenade launcher. So at least there was some other noobs to hunt while you were a noob. Oh, no. It was a total drunken, we've never done this before, grenades firing in every direction. (laughs) Yeah. No, there was nothing like frustrating about it. It was just shenanigans all the way down. But I, I feel like I've righted a video game history wrong. Yeah. You know, like this year I've played Ocarina of Time. I've, I've now played, I mean, I didn't play through the story, but I played Goldeneye now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm undoing a lot of the games I missed as a youngin. So this Mega Man thing, tell, tell me, the, I was actually, I didn't drill down on what was significant about this until you mentioned it. So tell me about this Mega Man thing. So there's this React channel on YouTube that has, has teens like teens playing with a CD player, teens watching this for the first time. And is, is this the same channel that did the cassette player? I think so. Where like they did not understand that the cassette held the music. I'm pretty sure. It's the same idea anyway. <laughs> yeah. So they were playing Mega Man for the NES. Mega Man 1, just and Mega Man. I think uh, there's – and so naturally they, they get their ass handed to them by Mega Man. And yep. you know, some of them don't even discover they can shoot for the first like few minutes. And I'm like, how do you not try every button? There's only two. <laughs> try all the both buttons. <laughs> but so they all – so the, the whoever, the moderators are like, you're supposed to start with Bomb Man, which I, I'd never heard. But I don't, I'm not like an expert on Mega Man 1. He's probably just weak against the Mega Buster. They're all kind of equally not weak against the Mega well, Buster. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but so they all struggle through. They get killed in the first screen. They, But I think what I appreciated was eventually they did get past the first screen. Um, I think one of them even got to the boss. And, yep. But they were just astonished like, wow. This is hard. But you also saw a lot of the, like, sequelitis style, like, they were learning as they went, like, oh, there's a safe spot here. Oh, here's my chance to shoot that enemy. Yep. And so it's like, even though I'm tempted to be like, Mega Man 1 is just balls hard and the later ones were a little smarter, I was like, no, this game really is something you can learn. Well, the the thing that impressed me about um, the division between, you could tell... Like, all of these people play video games, but some of them are what the elites would call casuals. 
and then some of them are like more hardcore gamers. Be, only one of them, and it, there's a chance they all did this, but only one of them you see in the video. He actually, the very first thing he does is look at the controller, press a button, and look at the screen and see what it does. And he's like, "Okay, jump, shoot. Can I jump and shoot at the same time? Yes." And, <laughs> and I mean, I know they tell them like, "Say your thought processes out loud and stuff." But yeah. I was like, I was like, that's. He will master this game if he wants to, because that's how he's approaching it. And Mega Man, like all the all the enemies move in patterns, you know. I mean, everything is like it can be figured out. Yeah, you know. And then like a couple of them seemed so like I don't remember who it was who got to the end of the first screen. They're like, I won. I was like, I beat the level, and you can hear the interviewer like way off mic be like. What makes you think you beat it? <laughs> and he just looks and he climbs up the ladder and he's like, oh, there's just like this defeat. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just because it took you seven minutes to get to the end of the first Just because it stopped scrolling doesn't mean the level is over. Uh, I just, and it's, I mean, I played that game when I was a kid. Like, it's hard. It's really hard. Even when you didn't know that. There would eventually be at least they didn't start them on guts, man, because they would just never make it past that first. Oh, the platforms, yeah, yeah, that would just be mean. That would would just be watch people laugh at other people playing. Also, can I say guts, man, is maybe the worst Mega Man villain character ever of all time? How could (laughs) like if you didn't know anything, could you guess what guts man power is? No, picking rocks up and throwing them. No. Let's I call mean, him Guts Man. All the theming is there. He looks like a construction worker. His whole thing looks – his level looks like a construction site. But I don't know guts where they man. got Guts. <laughs> and all the other characters are so – like there's – Cut Man. Cut Man. He has scissors. There's Ice Man. <laughs> he wears a little parka and shoots ice. Bomb Man. He looks weird, but he throws bombs. Like <laughs> yeah. everything is fairly easy to understand. And then Guts Man. And then Guts Man. I – it's got to be a weird Japanese translation thing. Well, right? they couldn't call him Rock Man. No, <laughs> no, I suppose they couldn't. They could have called him Strong Man. They could have called him Rock Man in America and then confused everyone. Confused the hell out of everybody. What about like, no, Construction Man sounds stupid. This is a problem because we agree that his name is completely moronic, and yet we cannot come up with anything better. Yeah, maybe this was just number one on the. The list of least terrible names. There's no way. Gutsman. Gutsman. So Rockman, you know, for those of you who aren't, you know, otakus, um, Rockman is Mega Man's actual name. And then there's like a whole pun structure. So the Rock, then his sister is Roll, then uh-huh. their dog is Rush, like the band. <laughs> Um, what's Proto Man in Japan? I don't know. I don't There's know. also Treble and Bass. Treble, yes, the like the evil Mega Man, Doctor Light. There's supposed to be some pun with his name, but I can't remember what it is. But yeah, so the they, why is he Rock Man? Is it just so they could do the rock and roll pun? Even though roll isn't playable in any of the he, early games. Okay, Proto Man is blues in Japan. So they're all music. Yeah. So okay. So what? They should have just given him the Japanese word for rock, whatever that is. Rock, rock in Japanese, man. <laughs> like rock, rock, like stone. I don't know. It guts is terrible. Yeah, you've totally derailed. Unforgivable. What we were originally talking about on this video, 
And yeah. that's what we're here to do. The, so these teens whine too much, but a few of them can see the sparkle of like, oh, this game isn't just unmitigatingly cruel. <laughs> like, you could actually beat this if you put your mind to it. So that little sliver of hope in one of their eyes was enough for me to not hate them. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't get full on into, you kids, get off my lawn. Yeah, I did not. It's... Do you feel like that's coming though? Like eventually, because presumably, if you're still playing games into like your fifties, there will be teenagers then playing like Assassin's Creed Three for the first yeah. time, and you're gonna be—they're gonna be like, "Oh, it's so hard!" And it's like there's a save every like two. They're just steps. like out of breath, sweating <laughs> from this push the joystick to win mission. <laughs> The map is only in two dimensions. Why isn't it projected directly into my brain? <laughs> Probably when if people stop liking things that Miyamoto makes or has made, I will get very <laughs> jaded and angry. Like That's fair. Yeah, once I feel like once anybody says like any of the Zelda games or uh or like Super Mario World and Galaxy and sixty four, like once those are unacceptably difficult, I'm going to be like, then you don't play video games. Yeah. Because this is what video games is. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, like I never really got into – you did that Galaga challenge with your yeah. brothers, right? And like there's, you know, the old like uh, Centipede and, and Pac-Man. And like I enjoy those games, but I accept that I'm bad at them because I'm not willing to put in the effort to become good. But it's not because the games are too hard. It's because I'm not willing to put in the effort to become good. So I feel like Super Mario World has a pretty pretty low threshold of difficulty. Yeah. Like just walk to the right and jump. Until you get to the like the tubular levels or all the Star World levels. But that's all bonus. Special. Yeah, it's all optional. Not only is do you have to go out of your way to find it, but it's hard to unlock and Nintendo's it. Nintendo's really good at that of like here's you know, if you want every red coin, if you want every little special Yoshi red coin. Corn. Yeah, red corn. <laughs> red coin. Uh Wayne Coyne, lead singer of the Flaming Lips. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was like a they, they scaffold it so that you can choose to be a completionist or you can just beat the game. I think that's a really important part of gaming. Like I don't I know when, you know, classic arcade games were around, one, it was a new medium, so of course norms hadn't been established yet. That's not their fault. But they also had really limited technological resources. They couldn't say in Galaga, like, yeah, we'll have a hundred different modes and there'll be all this different difficulty. I just saw a, a video of this guy just raving about <laughs> why Tetris was, like, one of the best games ever designed yeah. because of the way the difficulty ramps up. And he had this nice little chart and it was like, as the game gets harder, you have to get better. So you're constantly improving. And if you're not improving by, um, you know, what do you call it? tetrising lines clearing clear, clearing lines then the game doesn't get any faster so like you have the entire you know height of the board to yeah. learn from your mistakes and then in some of the later versions of tetris you could even choose to start at a higher speed level mm-hmm. so it's like oh, okay start me at like speed level five because the first five are just too boring do you think tetris would have been as cemented in culture if it didn't come with the game boy uh that's always hard to say I mean, it didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's the same kind of thing with Super Mario and Duck Hunt on the original Nintendo. Yeah, that's that's tough. I, and mean, I, I mean, I agree. It is one of the 
most enduringly designed puzzle games ever made. And I think it deserves its success, but it's also like, yeah. And the reason I played it for hundreds of hours <laughs> is because it came with Game Boy, which is just a brilliant move. I'm going to say probably not because that was at a time when video games were still kind of new and nerdy and they weren't like, you you know, not everyone had Tetris installed on their Moto Razor. And then on top of it, what the hell is a Tetris? Like, I was probably in my 20s before I found out, oh, clearing four lines at once, that's what a Tetris is. So not only do you have a game that's part of, like, this kind of nerd culture that not everybody really understood at that time. I mean, what was that, 88, 89 when the Game Boy came out? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you're talking a long arse time ago. And then on top of it, like, nobody knows what a Tetris is. So if you're walking through a store and it's like, oh, do you want to buy Tetris? And it's like, I don't know what that is. But then you never forget what it is. Once you've learned, yes. But are you going to spend $60 to find out what a Tetris is? (laughs) Or 50 or 40 or however much Game Boy games cost back in the day? Those those were like 20 and 30, I remember. That's not bad. But still, $30 to get an answer to that question is a lot different than, oh, it came with this. Yeah. I bought it so I could get The Legend of Zelda or Super Mario Brothers, but it came with Tetris. And then you end up just thousands of hours lost in Tetris. Which actually now I have to find and link to the college humor video of the Tetris God, which is old now. And it's got to yeah. be from the early 2000s. So that... This sort of brings an impromptu topic up to my mind is, is there a better pack-in game that's ever happened? I guess the original Mario and maybe Super Mario World, but like, Hmm. this used to be a thing. (laughs) Game consoles (laughs) used to come with games. That's true. Now they call them bundles. Yeah. Could you ever, like, Like, in in the beginning of the Nintendo's life, could you buy it without a game? Could you buy just the system? I don't think you could. The Game Boy? No, it came with. That's what I mean. Came with Tetris. Yeah. Always. So yeah. So yeah, it wasn't for a couple years, a year or two, I think. Which is probably a really, really smart thing to do. But anyway, your question, which I mean, like, so some criteria, I guess, to help frame it. Go for it. Like, not only is a good game, but like demonstrates the like the rain. Like, I don't know why this is a good thing, like why this is a good machine. Because <laughs> um, I feel like Tetris is a great example because you're trying to sell portables to people. And like this isn't just like a little Tiger LCD handheld. Like has had there really been a successful handheld console before? And so Nintendo really has to like sell the idea like this $90 thing <laughs> is worth paying for when people may have been like, ah, oh, when I'm in the waiting room, I'll just, uh, I'll just do crosswords. Why would I? I'll just read highlights for kids. <laughs> yeah. Try to find the difference in the two identical <laughs> pictures. But, and so you, you have to sell those people like <clears throat> it's worth it to get a game console a portable. P- portable. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I would say on home consoles, Super Mario Brothers slash Super Mario World did that for home consoles. But people who – I don't think a lot of people bought portable consoles that didn't have home consoles. So you could probably argue that Tetris 
took those people who were already committed to gaming and was like, no, you need to be able to game everywhere. Yeah. You know how you game at home? You need to be able to game at not home. So I don't know. Th- that's a tough sell. Like, I can't really think of another game that maybe Pokemon. Yeah. But I mean, by then, Pokemon, it's done. <laughs> Pokemon was like second renaissance kind of yeah. territory where everybody was already like, yeah, the Game Boy is a good idea. And then they were like, what if we could make it a machine that prints money? <laughs> That's been, yeah, Game Boy's entire history. That system, I think it was, when did the Game Boy Advance come out? Like 98? 98 maybe. So that's like almost 10 years of this not even as powerful as an NES system kind yeah. of just reigned supreme. 2001. Holy crap. Oh. So, I mean, I know Game Boy Color came out, but all those games still worked on regular Game Boy. Right. And so it's sort of like not really a replacement. No, it was it was a a half step, which Nintendo's big on. And so when in technology has something reigned for ten years on oh, Windows XP, but <laughs> <laughs> when is something people wanted to reign for ten years? Or yeah. for ten years. Well, I just uh, I saw this on Reddit just the other day. The Do you know what year the Game Boy, the original Game Boy, went out of production? Very surprisingly recently. <laughs> Very surprisingly recently. 2003. <laughs> 2003, man. Like, they had already come out with two successors, the Game Boy Color and the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, it's 47 cents per Game Boy <laughs> to manufacture now. Yeah. I mean, it's just it had the iconic colors and massive nostalgia goggles. Like, I didn't have a Game Boy as a kid, and even I look at a Game Boy, and I'm like, oh, Game Boy. <laughs> It's just, it's like, it's more... So many family road trips. Yeah. See, you... Hey, look at the Grand Canyon. No, no I'm playing Tetris. Zelda. Count your lucky stars, because I foolishly went Game Gear. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Because Sonic. It's hard to fail that hard. It is. But I found a way. Sonic on Game Gear is not a good look. No. Nope. <laughs> no. And, you know... How I, about if you couldn't see more than two steps in front of you and... And the batteries last for six minutes. And no matter how many rings you're holding, you get, to, you get three to choose from when you get hit. Yeah. No, it was a catastrophe. And then to make matters worse... The one game I had that I really loved, because I, I think I only ever got two games for the Game Gear, because I recognized that it was the inferior system. I just <laughs> gave up on it and went back to consoles. But the one game I had that I really liked, which was one of the Sonic games, got stolen <laughs> at school. And I was like, great, now I have this 47-pound console that I want nothing to do with. I just like the the game design challenge of like here we have a system with like the refresh rate of an e-ink <laughs> Kindle from like the first Kindle and then you want to have a game called Sonic the Hedgehog it's about running fast. Yeah. Like this is going to go well. You will see some of the frames. <laughs> we won't tell you which ones. And I I really wanted it to be a success but that the Game Gear, I think, was the harbinger of Sega's like Me Too attitude. Because yeah. instead of taking the Game Boy and the things that were good about it and just shamelessly copying them and then improving on it, they said, What if we do something totally different? But then they didn't check to make sure any of those things were a good idea. Well, a lot of Sega's identity was like, We are more powerful hardware than Nintendo. 
yeah, exactly. When it was less about optimizing for the use case, which is, oh, you're on the go. You want to be able to stop at any moment. You want to have like a long battery life. Yeah, they're just like, oh, is this shinier? <laughs> it has colors. 16-bit. Well, and they pulled the exact same kind of mistake uh, that Microsoft has been stuck in for the last decade and a half of getting there way too soon yeah. without really thinking it through. Look at the Sega CD. Yeah. Like, Sonic CD was awesome. There's no reason you couldn't have made that game with slightly lower textures on the Sega Genesis. Yeah. And just called it a day. And had an install base to sell to, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I actually... My, I, my older brother's friend... Who was very nice because, I mean, my brother's a lot older than me, so it was nice for him to let me, like, go over to his house and play Sonic CD because there was no way my parents were going to, you know, when I was, like, 10 or whatever when that came out, were going to say, like, oh, yeah, we'll buy a console to staple onto the console you already have. (laughs) Like, even, you know, my parents are not gamers, and even they were able to look at that and be like, that's dumb. Why would you do that? And looking back, I'm like, you're right. That would have been super dumb. And you know the Sega CD only existed at all because they heard Nintendo was thinking about... <laughs> Nintendo the, flinched in one direction and Sega's like, we got it. <laughs> and which never happened, right? Because that was what ended up becoming the PlayStation. Yeah. And then Nintendo stuck with cartridges. I mean, Nintendo had some false starts in the 90s too, but they didn't become company identity. No, not at all. I mean, name another worthwhile Sega CD game. <laughs> no, you can't. Night trap. <laughs> I don't even know that one. Sewer shark. Sewer. Yes. No. No. I was Sonic CD. Is it? Wasn't there a uh, Sega CD version of Echo the Dolphin? Probably with what, like a little, you know, eight bit color more video colors. sequence. Yeah, just slightly more colors and the textures. I mean, it's the the nineties was a hard time. People didn't know what the hell they were doing. Like, we don't really know what we're doing now, but we really didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Like, it was all just so new. But at the same time, when Nintendo had a flub like the Virtual Boy, they cast it into the pit with all the misshapen babies from 300 and then acted like it never existed. And they have a good laugh about it now. <laughs> right. Like, at their own expense. Yeah. Like, ha ha, we but, were but dumb. Man, Sega was just like, yeah, this isn't working out. Full steam ahead. <laughs> I mean, look at the what was it the the thirty two X was that them was that the yeah yeah Sega. yeah the so you stab that into your Genesis yeah and, and yeah like they all had their own power supply I remember watching Angry <laughs> Video Game Nerd because yep. he was showing how like you could he he put Primal Rage in and like it loaded <laughs> the background but not the characters oh. until he hooked in the second power supply and you know they're all these wow. big cubes so he's like say you got your standard power strip. Well, guess how many of these you can fit on one power strip? Yeah. Two. Then you got to go crazy <laughs> fire hazard daisy chain. Yeah. Where you've got like power strip to power strip to power strip. <sighs> Those were dark times. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm, every time I look back at all of this ridiculous nonsense, it makes me excited for like 20 years from now when I look at the amazing technology that I have right now, like I can't wait to look back at this and think it's crap. Yeah. Because that means we're going to have something so much more amazing, which here's an interesting personal side note. So at, at work, uh, we just had our, our company like holiday thing. They won't call it Christmas, but I will. It was goddamn Christmas dinner. <laughs> so we had our, our Christmas thing and there was like a gift exchange 
and uh, our boss's boss ended up with, of all things, an original palm trail. Oh, and, wow. and when he held it up, first off, it's like the size of a phone book. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is why those hip holsters must have become popular because there's no way you could fit that thing in your pocket. And when he held it up, he was like, you know what the funny part is? I had this one when it was new. <laughs> and I'm like, it looks like a toy. Yeah. Like, I mean, my, my one-year-old daughter has like a toy cell phone that looks about as sophisticated as that palm trail. <laughs> and... You know, hers like plays music and barks because there's a picture of a dog. <laughs> Today's phones are tomorrow's toys. <laughs> Pretty much. I have broken phones that I've given to my child because I'm like, what are you going to do? Break it more? It's already broken. <laughs> Swing it around. So, this thing, I, I have to throw this electronic mail one to you because I didn't get a chance to look at this in the rundown. Yeah, so this was just an article I found on Medium just about like some tips for how to electronic mail. And it's basically a, a, you know, a young urban professional hipster saying, <laughs> I'm sick of how all you people email. So here are some lessons. And, you know, it's, it's stuff that makes sense. Like, um, let me just go through his points because he says, like, your email needs to start with what you want. <laughs> so the elevator pitch, like, just start right off the bat. Don't have a long, like... Hey, buddy, I've known you a long time. And throughout our, like, yeah, what do you want? And then just sort of um, different tactics for getting a response from people who are busy, people who may not have a lot of incentives to help you. Um, just like, which is everyone. Good practices to like get your way and. And to just be a not a not a douche on email, and I I just get irritated, and I think you know we don't talk about work on this podcast, but <laughs> email etiquette has been if you work in an organization, it's impossible not to get emails that are infuriatingly badly written. Oh yeah, not just from like department wide, like we didn't think this through at all and sent this vomit of a mess <laughs> out to everyone, but even individual people that are just like. Wow, did you sit down and spend time on this train wreck? Because I don't know how this happened unless you tried to write this badly. Well, and you and I work in a multifaceted function, but part of our function is supporting the things that we like build and, and you know provide. And when someone asks, hey, I have a and I mean, this is, you know, we're the technical people, so I'm sure you've probably gotten this from family, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, you know, can you fix my computer kind of thing. And <laughs> when someone sends me like a four paragraph email and the only thing I can respond to them is, I don't know what you need. It's like, I just read this Bible yeah. that you sent me and it's like, I have no idea what you want. I know that your dog is sick and that you, were, <laughs> yeah. you weren't sure you were going to make it in and you're having trouble with your computer, but you didn't really specify in what way or yeah. how it's affecting you or what you need to accomplish. So it's like, then the roles get reversed where now Why you're were like you writing? Like yeah. when you were sitting down and your fingers were moving on the keyboard, what was the purpose you had in mind? Cause it's not obvious. It's really not. And when you write anything and I'm telling you listener, <laughs> you need to put yourself in the shoes of the person who is tired, hasn't had their coffee yet is kind of angry at the world right now and you need to put yourself in their shoes of like how are they going to encounter my message and how can i make sure that when they're lazily skimming it on their way to the next 40 emails they they see the thing you want them to see yeah 
I feel like this is a uh, a be the change you want to see in the world kind of situation because presumably no one exclusively sends email. Like you also are a receiver of email. So think about all Don't the annoying Don't get me started crap. on the walks over and says, did you get that message? I just emailed you. <laughs> well, maybe those people do just send email full time. <laughs> but this, I mean, you know, when you, listener... When you open your email and you're like, oh, God, this again, or oh, my God, get to the point, like, you should be filing those things away in your head so that when you then email someone, you're not a giant hypocrite. Yeah. And it's hard. Like, it's hard to constantly be introspective like that, but to not be makes you annoying as hell. I This is, this is modern communication 101. Yeah. Uh, though he has 10 different tips we're not going to go through, but his 10th tip is use a GIF and be funny. And he just includes these, uh, these two nuclear reactor exhaust, whatever. I don't know what you call those. The uh, steam stacks. Yeah. Smokestacks. And they're like, they have their anthropomorphized. <laughs> they, they're holding out coffee cups. And this is obviously footage of them collapsing. And it's just really funny because the faces go, ah. <laughs> I like that because the, the second one falls later. So he's panicked at the first one collapsing and then he realizes he's collapsing. <laughs> and then his arms go up. <gasps> yeah, this, this is the kind of stuff the internet is actually meant for. It's not your stupid rambling email. Hilarious gifts. Yep. Yeah. And the, this is it's a really good article on Medium, um, but the link to this will be in the show notes. Yep. So I have to throw this one. These actually these these next two things out there. These are just quick ones that I, I think are interesting. So if you exist on this planet at this time in history, you have probably heard the song Gangnam Style. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually like that song. Um, whether or not there's a whole conversation about what it's actually about. Because it's actually a, a parody of people who like worry too much about their image, which is a big problem in South Korea. They're like, they have the young people there have like this whole stereotype about being like really vain and vapid. And but that's not the interesting part about this. <laughs> the interesting part is not social commentary. The interesting part is the official YouTube video, keeping in mind how many copies and ripoffs and spoofs and screen caps and everything there are of this song. The official YouTube video had so many views that it couldn't fit in a 32-bit integer. So it actually broke the view counter on the YouTube page where it was reporting a wrong number. So the entirety of YouTube has now been updated to hold 64-bit integers because they went – let me uh, let me actually look at the specific number. Um, two billion one hundred and forty seven million four hundred and eighty three thousand six hundred and forty seven views that or that that number wow. yeah that's the most you can fit into a 32-bit integer i don't know why it's that weird number because i'm my integer storage is a little flaky but <laughs> but that's it broke that number so now that it's 64-bit it could go up to let's see uh nine quintillion two hundred and twenty three trillion three hundred and seventy two billion Thirty six million eight hundred and fifty four thousand seven. No, sorry, I was off by a quadrillion. <laughs> so just add three more zeros onto that. But that's that's a big arse number. Yeah, that's two arses. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is I, like I said, I love this song. I'm probably a hundred of those views, but 
Holy crap! Yeah, that's a lot of plays. <laughs> just a lot of plays. I just, it, well, I can't think of any corner of the popular culture that that song didn't reach into. No. Well, he so like, when when that song was first new, he like encouraged parodies. Like, oh, if you and your fraternity brothers or sorority sisters want to record your group dancing yeah. to the song, put it up on YouTube. We're not going to send you a DMCA takedown. Like, do it. Do, please yes. advertise for me. So not only was this <clears> – <throat> I just smacked myself right in the face there. <clears throat> not only was this an interesting lesson in uh, a technology thing for Google and YouTube, but um, this was like a really good lesson in marketing from – you know, a musician. Yeah. Like, hey, if your fans want to engage with your product, maybe don't crap all over them. <laughs> <clears throat> Just an idea. I do wake up every day wanting to engage with brands. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that does sound really terrible. I just terrible. can't wait to use Twitter's platform products to en- engage with brands. All right, goddammit, you know what I meant. <laughs> engage has become a totally meaningless word. It, it's only useful context even, is when Picard... <laughs> that's its only non-ironic use anymore. So then this other thing, another actually Google technical thing, they're dropping security questions. So you know when you... Oh, uh, God. Yeah, because it turns out that they're broken and awful. Yeah. And I don't mean they're broken from a technological standpoint. I mean the social engineering yeah. method to beat them is so trivial. And Google just flat out said, like, yeah, they're not very secure. So we're security is important to us. It's yeah. important to you. Goodbye. So we're going to do something more secure. So now they're they're falling back to um, phone numbers, alternative email addresses, which you have to set up. Yeah. So if you don't set that up, it's like you have no way to recover your account. That's just on you. Yeah. And uh, the, this article, that uh, it's, it'll be linked in the show notes from – this is not Google's blog that I linked to. This is the Google OS blog, which is like a fan kind of blog you know, about Google yeah. as a company. But they – in like a four or five paragraph article, they had to point out Sarah Palin – which yeah. I think I've actually mentioned before, but her account, her it was Yahoo Mail. Her but personal email. Yeah, her personal Yahoo email in like 2006 um, was hacked because she's from a small town. And one of the questions was something like, what high school did you meet your husband at? Or what high school like, did you huh, go to? And I have one to choose from. <laughs> exactly. It's like, well, we know where she grew up and there's one high school in that town. Yeah. So – by process of elimination, it's that one, you know? And the other questions were, you know, like, what's your birthday or something stupid? Like, if you're... Really a, easy to discover. Yeah, stuff that would be easy to discover for someone who's not a public figure. For someone who's a public figure, you might as well just have your password tattooed yeah. on your face. There's going to be someone that writes a doom and gloom article about, I lost my Google password and couldn't reset it because... I'm an idiot. Because I never took the And time I know to someone will do this because someone already did this for iCloud because they set up two factor auth and they said, and they uh, decide something like, they, oh, you get like your device. little backup codes. Yeah. And the guy's like, I couldn't find my backup codes. And then Apple couldn't help me. And I'm like, that's good because that means they don't have backdoor access to your account. Yeah. So maybe yeah. stop being a dumbass and don't write a doom and gloom article about how you're an idiot. It's a tough <laughs> pill to swallow, but 
if you go to a company and you say, hey, I locked myself out, and they go, then you're locked out, that's the right answer. Yeah. Like, it's hard. I'm sure he lost access to a lot of important stuff. And I, Well, I, he found his piece of paper later. Oh, good. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he, you, had to, he had to rush to the blog first. Yeah. Well, priorities, Mike. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, I, I understand you're stressed, you're locked out of your system, and blah, all like that. and. You can't account for every single thing. Maybe what if your backup codes, the house burns down or whatever. Like, I just, you, I, should, I get it. you shouldn't be a tech blogger if you didn't understand what you were turning on. Yes. For one. Unless and you're for the tech thing. blogger for Parade or something. <laughs> Red book. Uh, but, it, I mean, the other thing is that the, the answer should always be like, hey, man, you, we can't get to your stuff. Your stuff is your stuff. We can't get to your stuff. Yeah. Do you really want us to be able to get to all your stuff all the time? Do you trust all 8,000 or however many employees that Apple probably has worldwide to have <laughs> access to your stuff? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, no. I would rather just lose it. I would rather it essentially be lost forever than faceless you know, yeah. corporate drones all over the place can get to my stuff. And that's... It's not paranoia. Like, that's just good security practice. Yeah. There's no reason to lock my door if everyone who works at the lock company has a copy of my key. Everything is a Mission Impossible mission tape. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of – we have a couple other things in here. I think we should push the Sony hack off. Okay. I I feel like that deserves more than the five minutes we could give to it. But – as a Pebble owner, I think we should talk about this Pebble thing. Okay. Because you're also an iPhone owner. Yeah. Which means Pebble's never going to work right for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what's your – in general, what's your experience with the Pebble? Is it favorable? Besides just the hilarious clock face <laughs> that says tennis. Yeah, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> um, it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm just – I'm not – sold on just getting your wrist buzzing like it hasn't been life-changing it's not like my phone is never far away true it's yeah there's every once in a while it's like oh i'm on the bus and my phone's in my pocket and it'd be kind of awkward to dig it out right now so i can just look real quick on my wrist like that's like vanishingly often that that situation occurs true and like all the compromises the Pebble makes for battery life are great if you love its core premise, but I just <laughs> didn't – I still don't find it that compelling. So now if I remember correctly, when you first got your Pebble and we talked about it on an earlier show, <clears throat> did you not say that being able to interact with notifications would be a step in the right direction for that device? Yeah, and you can now clear notifications. Yes. Well, now because the Android Wear – APIs are open. If you are paired with a Android device, they are actually <clears throat> they're actually hooking into those APIs. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know what kind of crazy frog thing is <laughs> happening right here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna sip my beverage. But Pebbles don't have any <clears throat> built-in mic or any. <clears throat> this is true. Yeah, so you can't do voice stuff, and it doesn't have a keyboard and. Well, I I got, mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna burn alive whoever puts a little touch keyboard onto <laughs> one of those one inch watch faces. But well, Apple, they didn't show a keyboard. No, you draw the letters. Oh, but that wasn't for writing. 
entire sentences. That was like you're drawing a shape and it sends the drawing. Someone will use it that way. <laughs> Someone will be like, oh, I, just, I just want to send a quick text and it, it'll be stabbed. It wasn't a goddamn keyboard you're typing true. out. <laughs> That's true. But I do think this is because we've we've talked about like how can Pebble possibly stay relevant in the face of uh, the Apple Watch and Android Wear, which are just infinitely more powerful and flexible. And they're I'm kind of impressed. Like, well, they are sort of taking the Game Boy stance <laughs> against the Game Gears of the world. But true. <laughs> I just I'm not as confident they'll be important in five years. Yeah, I mean, I I presume this is a race the current Pebble can't win. Like, maybe they'll just pivot and be like, oh, we're well, an Android Wear company now. They can win. <clears throat> I'm also dying with frogs. <laughs> <clears throat> they can they can win the current idea of a, a wearable connected smart device. They have no chance in the future because both Google and Apple are owning their platforms. The they, Yeah, they have open APIs and developer SDKs, but... Google and Apple own that connection True. to the phones. And they, they aren't really letting anyone do whatever they want. It's within our SDK. Right. And so I just I don't see where Pebble won't just get pushed out. Yeah, or I'm, Pebble I'm sure will, that they will. They'll, they'll just become another Android Wear, which may be fine, and then they'll just have to hope their hardware sets them apart, I guess. Right. Well, which, if I understand the Android Wear dealy correctly... Google actually set – didn't they set limits on hardware? Probably. I th- so I'm going to just speculate wildly right now. If I recall correctly, Google intentionally set limits on hardware because they didn't want companies saying like, well, ours has a faster processor. Well, ours has a tiny bit more RAM. So there's there's like a window that they're allowed to work in yeah. and then that's it. They can't customize the interface. That sounds kind of like the initial Windows phone – yeah. Seven. Yeah, because the whole idea was we want you to design a watch. We already figured out the hardware and software. Yeah. We want you to make a beautiful piece of jewelry that someone will want to wear, which yeah. is why all the original, you know, the, the early Android Wear devices all look very distinct. Yeah. Whereas most smartphones just look like featureless black rectangles. So I guess just Pebble will not get to compete on, quote, fair ground. Like... <laughs> They they are clearly the the foreigner here on a green card in oh. Google and Apple's world. This is getting racist really fast. <laughs> <How's it> racist? <laughs> and so I just find that an uphill battle for them. It, I agree. I I I would love to be surprised, but I think they'll probably become an Android Wear company. But it would be awesome if they found some way to be like, no, we can walk in this crazy middle space. <laughs> Where we're useful on iPhones and on Android phones. They're I just don't see it happening. They're in the same position as any <clears throat> third-party Twitter client right now. It's yeah. the, the shop owner's like, I'm not going to let you keep selling your own stuff in this store <laughs> right. forever. Yeah, which is I, – I understand. I mean obviously I understand the benefit to Google and Apple to do that. <laughs> yeah. I just hope they don't go overboard with it. Because I love Google stuff. Like I always buy Nexus phones and I always try and get like the purest experience kind of thing because I agree with their design choices. I just don't want their design choices to be my only choices. I mean this is what kept me from going with Apple devices is I I don't dislike a lot of what they're doing. It's just that I have no other choice. So if they Mm -hmm. made one design decision I don't like, that's just tough. 
And that, that was yeah. enough to keep me off their platform. Plus, I love Google. Yeah, and we could harp on this for a whole episode, but I feel like <laughs> Google and Apple started at very opposite ends and have moved very much to the middle like a politician running for president. Oh, yeah. Of like, Google was like, Wild West, do anything. We're going to rein this in. Yeah. And Apple was like, no one touch anything. <laughs> and they gradually poked holes through that. Yep. And so they were both kind of ended up in the middle. Like, yeah, no one else is going to make an iOS device ever. But... Right. But we will bend a little bit on what we allow. Yeah. And now Google's exerting a little more like, hey, follow our designs. Hey. <laughs> or, or don't. But really you should. And to be fair, <clears throat> if I'm like an app maker and I'm making an Android app, I don't want to have to figure out every design element. Like I'm really glad that there are super highly paid designers who worked for probably months or years on just this one product, yeah. let alone the backlog of becoming an expert designer who then just says like, hey, if you're going to make an app, you should probably use this layout unless you have a good reason to deviate from it. Because it's like, yeah. oh, I don't ever have to think about that again? Neat. Yeah. Thanks. I don't have to reinvent lists. Or... Yeah. So I just... Uh... <clears throat> We're dying. <laughs> you know, and here I thought I was on the full and honest upswing but just being near your plague has excited my plague, <laughs> and it has come out to play. Man, it's everything will be healed except this, this cough will yeah. stay with you forever. Yeah. I don't know what it is about coughs, but... It's the lingering death. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I'm with you. I think the politician analogy is the right one. Because <laughs> everybody starts out as like a crazy gun nut libertarian you stay off my land <laughs> on you know like let's just say the apple side because they're more conservative and then google was like the ron paul like everybody do whatever they want you're all crazy free hippie commune just don't maybe break anything otherwise you're fine and now they're both kind of like yeah we have pretty good ideas about what you should and shouldn't do <laughs> and even apple now that they've kind of opened up a lot of their apis like you can tell there's some growing pains They've, they've opened a few things up that developers took advantage of, and then Apple like crapped all over. Yeah, and the developers were like, "Why did you open this up if you weren't going <laughs> to let yeah. me do anything with it?" But that's a story for another time. <laughs> so, Mike, where can people find you and your plague on the internet? Yeah, go to pseudomichael.com, dot com, and that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do, Mike. I'm angry with Twitter again. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that off air. I hate Twitter. <laughs> People can find me uh, at Lines and Beta on Twitter or uh, linesandbeta.com, and you can find these amazing show notes where, if nothing else, you've got to watch these kids play Mega Man and the Tetris God videos. Just, yeah. It gives me a chuckle every time. But you can find these at flippingtablespodcast.com slash 045. And here I was worried because between mm -hmm. my plague and your plague, we came dangerously close to missing a week. Yeah, I was almost dead a few you, days ago. You were, but we persevered. We'll see you next week.